Hello and welcome. My name is Temp. They call me Axial. And I'm Herfy Durfy. And this is Go Mode, a Link to the Past randomizer podcast. Now, as you can see from the length of this episode, this is a little bit of a shorter one. And I am saying that at the top sort of as a way to force us to have a shorter record time this time, <laughs> right? Because uh-huh. we, I, I'm sort of trying to call the shot here. Uh, we are infamous for having an exchange uh, in, in, you know, the behind the scenes of this show where we'll come up with a topic and we have an exchange between myself and Herfie Durfee. And maybe we can reenact that, actually, Herf, if you want to. Sure, um, we can. Okay, so I'll say something like... Uh, Hey, you know, I think I think we should probably talk about uh, X, and then you'll probably say something like, um, "I don't know about that. Are you sure we can really fill a whole episode just talking about X?" Yeah, and and then I'll say something like, "Oh, you have no idea how detailed we want to get." And and you know, we always we always really get into it. Just just trust me on this. And then usually he'll say like, "Yeah, okay, we'll see." <laughs> yes, you're saying exactly what I thought you were going to say. We did not even talk about this at a time, so it's really funny. Um, so then uh, we'll go ahead and record it, and uh, the episode will end up being about two hours long. <laughs> to be so, fair, we mostly talked about other stuff. but That's yes. true. It's, yeah, it's not always the most on-topic chat that we have, so I will give you that. Um, but no, this time, we've been spending a lot of time uh, this last week, uh, all three of us really, uh, trying to get prepared for this Go Mode podcast mentor tournament. Yeah, a lot of, lot of yeah, a lot of work uh, behind the scenes doing that. So uh, because of that, we, um, we didn't have as much time to put that sort of energy into an episode because we really want to make sure this tournament is solid. And just discussing the logis- logistics of it is is actually I think pretty pretty interesting in a lot of ways. And, and it's been a really organic process through which we've kind of developed these rules and. We're going to lay out some more of the format and rules and, and talk a little bit about the tournament um, as sort of our, our feature today. Um, but before that, uh, we have a little news. And before we get to the news, I just have to ask you guys, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty um, all, right. all right. I mean, work has been kicking my butt pretty heavily, as I have been whining about in our little hosts channel that we have <laughs> on the Discord. But other than that, pretty all right. Yeah, I have my kickball finals today. Ooh. Congrats, man. Or yeah, good well, luck, I should well, say. Our two captains are at a bachelor party along with about half our team, so it's going to go bad. That should Probably. be interesting. That yeah, sounds like... Have, like uh, no players. Sounds like the premise to a movie. Yeah, I have called all my friends and told them <laughs> if they come, I will buy their beer. Nice. That's awesome. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, we've got a little bit of news. Let's start with... Uh, you know, as we've said multiple times in the past, the announcements channel of the Link to the Past Randomizer Discord is sort of the official news ticker for Link to the Past Rando. So we uh, did get another sort of ping in the announcements channel there. Does one of you guys want to briefly kind of summarize what, what we saw here and then we can talk a little bit about that? I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I can, I mean, being kind of the behind the scenes guy, I suppose, I. Uh... I can sort of get into it a little bit. So, hey, give us that inside <clears throat> scoop. Uh, the the admins, me included, have been talking a bunch over the last couple of weeks about how we want to go about getting the next official rando tournament uh, going, 
and uh, after some discussion we've decided on what we're planning to do and especially when we think it's gonna happen uh, we've got a lot of feedback as the announcement says I'm not gonna read through the whole announcement because it's rather big and you can all check it out yourself on the rando discord as Tim was saying but uh, essentially we laid out that our target is an October start for the next main tournament, assuming that version 31 can make it out ahead, uh, can make it out ahead of that. Um, so people can, you know, get some time to get used to the changes and how everything is going to be laid out. And uh, with that, along with that announcement, I guess there's also been a little bit of version 31 news, uh, kind of you know, a, a, I would say a hidden release date, if you want to call it that, since we're hoping to be able to start by October, that also means uh, version 31 will have to be out a little bit before that. Yeah, that's what I wanted to hit on. It, to, this seemed like the first time, I, at least that I've seen, mention of a V31 release. So I thought that was pretty significant, definitely worth worth uh, mentioning here on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as what we know about V31, one of the things that you mentioned was uh, different goals to uh, you know, uh, finish the game rather than just defeat Ganon or mm -hmm. um, anything like that. You know, you could kind of say like, okay, only five out of seven crystals that gets me into Ganon's tower. Is there anything else that we know about a V thirty one release, or is it just pretty much that? Um, I am personally not really sure or privy to any more information. I know there's, a, I think there's a planning document or something along those lines from Christos Owen maybe floating around somewhere. Uh, I'm, I have seen it before, but don't ask me where. It might be, you know, private information that I'm not allowed to share, so I can't promise you guys a link. But um, I think there's a planning document with kind of what the ideas are, but anything concrete really hasn't been set in stone as far as I'm aware. Mm -hmm. um, now, there were a few other things that they mentioned as they went on in this that will just kind of, you know, give you the, the quick highlights. Um, the, another one of them was they, they heard us when we, and really the whole community, were saying things about the length of the tournament and how this fall tournament turned into a like very nearly like uh, mid spring tournament of the next year. Mm -hmm. um, so they did mention that they will be keeping that in mind, trying to uh, you know simplify things a bit. Another thing they mentioned is because of all of the tournaments that have been cropping up in the community. Uh, you know, ours is, is just one small example, but got, I mean, what all have we had with the Plando tournament, spoiler tournament, uh, ALTTPR league, the cross keys tournament that's going on now, um, the glitch tournament. Uh, I'm sure I'm probably even forgetting a few, but since there's been so much variation, uh, you know, the, this last fall tournament, that was kind of the theme of that, right? We had a lot of different modes and, and things like that, that were the, you know, people could choose mm -hmm. this time they're saying, you know, all right, things got a little wacky. Let's maybe you know roll it back a little bit and, and get a little a little more middle of the road. So, looks like kind of kind of like we are. They're going to be doing um, more kind of standard, straightforward sort of formats for their tournament. So I thought that was that was cool too. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I also yeah. I also like that just because I feel like for, I mean for a lot of people I think the whole structure of the last tournament where it was like well. Once you're past the, the qualifiers, you know, you could be playing retro mode, you could be playing inverted, you, you really have to be a kind of jack-of-all-trades in terms of your, your racing skill, not just your seed completion skill, and um, 
I I don't know the stats on this, but I feel like a lot there's a lot more people who play open or standard than play some of the more uh, exotic formats. Yeah, right. for sure. Uh, I think to speak a little bit from an admin point of view, we were very happy with all the variation that we got and that we could offer to the players to not make it stale or boring. But at the same time, as Tim was saying, it got a little bit out of hand and it also really like very very early on showed a sort of meta developing in a way where the better people or quote unquote better people the favored people would generally always try to choose or make it so that the vetoes uh, will work out so they get all dungeons just so they had you know less variation in their seats if you do have to complete all the pendant dungeons you don't have to make the decision of do I want to dip into a pendant swamp or not yeah yeah, the, the all dungeons meta was interesting. I didn't. I always thought, well, all dungeons, okay, you know that that really reduces the variance. But what it actually is doing is making it very hard for the less favored, play, the person who's not as good at execution, to win, because at that point your your routing doesn't matter as much mm-hmm. because you're gonna have to go everywhere anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to mention that. Um, not too much more to say about it. It's, it's just, you know, three or four paragraphs in the announcement discord. But uh, so, some notable uh, information regarding some things that are coming down the pipeline. So uh, we'll be looking forward to that. In the meantime, we, we have some other things to uh, work on and, and tournaments to cover. So we'll, we'll be bringing that to you as well. Um, another quick mention of a little bit of news. Uh, also got a ping from the new Key Sanity tournament discord. Uh, mentioning that they were going to be adding on a couple of qualifier matches. Uh, I guess they're doing sort of like the fall tournament did with uh, uh, several qualifier matches and then seeding from there. actually added on a few of those because the tournament was more popular than they thought it was going to be. And I wanted to mention this because, you know, it's currently going on. It it is rando news, but I think it also uh, is, is just really cool that even, you know, I think some people discover this and they've only been into it for three months or six months or... You know, even a year seems kind of young because we have some people who have been into this for two years or even, you know, two and a half, three years back when it was uh, first a thing. And it's just really cool that it's still so popular, this idea of Link to the Past randomizer, that even this, um, you know, more advanced kind of mode of the game could still be so popular that they have to extend the amount of qualifiers in order to get everybody in there. So I just I thought that was cool and wanted to give people a heads up on that, too. Um, any thoughts or, or really any other uh, news from around the tournament before we get started on ours? Um, around the community um, before we get started talking about our tournament? Sorry. Uh, it's fine. Uh, I think, no, I think we covered pretty much everything that I know of at least. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Yay. Okay. So we've been talking about it for over a month now. Um, it's it's uh, been something we've been developing both on the show and uh, with the help of our uh, Discord members. Uh, as, a, as a reminder, we have a Discord where we talk about the show with the listeners. We'll put a link to join that in the description of the episode if you'd like to check it out. But we have been developing this tournament, and I have to admit, a lot of, you know, we had sort of a basic idea, and a lot of the rules and, you know, format sort of stuff that we've rolled out has been in response to people's questions you know like they'll ask it and we'll say oh we didn't really think about that and then we'll write it down and now that's that's how it is so huge shout out to the go mode podcast discord community 
for helping us to kind of you know chew, chew on this and mull it over and, and work it out and to get it to where it is today which i believe is at the point where it's a pretty you know i, I think we're just about ready to go like we've, we've got all the rules set up um registration has essentially ended uh it, you know if we get a straggler we might we might look at them but yeah although we're, we're recording this on saturday june 1st right so by the time you hear this if you missed out I'm sorry you, you missed out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll have to wait for um, the next one if and when that happens. And, of course, you know, the main tournament will, will be starting up not too long after we finish. So um, let's talk a little bit about time frame, actually, to, to kick this off. Um, so when, uh, when we finish this episode, we got a little bit of planning work to do, and then we're going to, uh, you know, reach out to each of the participants Um Axe, do you want to tell us how many, uh, what, what our final count is as yep. of this recording? So. Hey guys, Tuesday Timp breaking in for the first of several post-show record corrections I need to issue. We, of course, recorded this on Saturday, June 1st, and wouldn't you know it, quite a bit has changed since then. So, Axe was about to tell you that we had 24 racers and 15 mentors signed up. Then I was going to ask a question about whether or not we'd be cool with mentors joining up after the tournament had already started, and we debated that for a couple minutes. Well... Now, registration is completely shut down, and we got 32 racers and 27 mentors. So none of us are really too worried about that question anymore. And as to how we jumped from 24 racers to 32 in the course of about two days, well, I'll update you on that later. But right now, I'll drop you back into the episode. This is immediately after we finish talking about that uh, mentor sign-up thing. And unpause. And uh, I wanted to kick the idea to you guys. I know... We bandied about the idea of us three kind of being emergency mentors if there's no one to uh, get in whatsoever. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I mean, that that was sort of uh, something that I kind of wrote into the rules as I as I got to it. So I, I uh, obviously in favor of it since I was the one that wrote it down. I can see why you might not want that. Uh, you know, it would obviously be best if we were impartial. But as I, as I already said, the, I think the most important thing is being able to provide a mentor for every racer, for every match. And if it means that, you know, no one else is available to do it and I can do it, then I, I'm going to do it, you know. Sorry if you get me as a mentor, by the way. I'm not probably as good as any of the mentors are, but I, you know, I will do my best. And I think even just having someone watch a seed that's not playing it, there's a lot of advantages to thinking through that, so... That that's what I think. Herf, what are your what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm personally not against it. I think I saw a conversation on Discord where one of our listeners mentioned that they would rather have us be completely impartial as admins and not, you know, participate in any way. And I can sort of see that as a runner maybe, but as a mentor, especially if it's in like an emergency situation like that, I don't really have a problem with it. Yeah. And uh, so w sort of what we defined is, you know, if we can't find any mentors, we'll send a ping out uh, through Discord, try to see if anybody, you know, just happens to be available that wasn't before. Um, if that doesn't work, one of the three of us will step in. So uh, if that doesn't work, the runners will have or either have an opportunity to try to reschedule for a time when mentors are available or worst case scenario, they're just going to have to go without mentors. And, you know, I, obviously we hope that doesn't happen, but um, that's, I guess the only reason I'm wondering about, you know, maybe when people hear this episode, if they're, you know, there's some, uh, 
you know, uh, expert Kung Fu master living on the top of a hill and they, they hear that their <laughs> name has been called and, and, you know, the people are in a time of need, they'll they'll sign up on Thursday. I don't know, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, then the thought, too, on having the races without mentors is kind of the last fallback is one of the things we didn't collect in the sign-up and probably we should have is what time zone everybody is in. So we don't really know what the time zone balance is. For all we know, we could have seven people in Australia uh, or Japan or Korea or somewhere that it's very difficult to coordinate with, you know, Europe, you know, North America, South America. Um, yeah. And really by the know. way, we we have the podcast analytics. That all, none of those were inaccurate countries. The, yeah, um, people we, who we have at the very least to listened to the podcast. So um, they're so, out yeah. there. We we uh, we didn't collect that information. We are going to try to gather that up um, in the run up to the actual official start. Um, but yeah, if you, if you have, let's say we've got a runner in New Zealand and a runner in Italy, it's going to be very difficult for them to find a time that is convenient and can actually you know both be awake to do that. And we'd rather not say, well, you have to have a mentor. And if you can't, then you can't race because there might not be anyone that can, you know, find yeah. a time between New Zealand and Italy. Which, by the way, that would be really cool. <clears throat> be an extremely international match that, as an American, I find extremely exotic. So I would love to watch that one if I wasn't asleep, which I probably would be if they were playing. So um, so that's what we have worked out for the um, you know, for the mentor assignment, we go into a little bit more detail in our document, which you will find linked in the description of this episode. Um, a link to the Go Mode podcast webpage, where I've laid out as you know as many of the format rules as, as we could all come up with, and, and I am updating that as we update them. Um, so I definitely encourage everyone to read that. Uh, we talked a little bit about some of the mentor, uh, you know, pairing and you know what to do in, in sort of extenuating circumstances. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the schedule. Um, so we'll reach out to everybody uh, this weekend, let them know if they're a racer or a mentor. Um, we did have some people sign up purely to be admin volunteers. Uh, thank you very much to those folks. We've, we've got a, uh, an assignment for you too, so we'll, we'll get you guys in the mix. Um, uh, racers will have starting essentially from probably tomorrow, so this weekend, Sunday, as you're listening to this a few days ago. Uh, all the way up until not this coming Saturday after the episode releases, but the one after. So uh, a two-week so period. That would be Saturday the 15th? Yes, exactly. Until Saturday the 15th. Uh, so as you're hearing this episode, a week and a half uh, to schedule those first round matches. Uh, we will be pairing people up, uh, putting them into the groups as we mentioned, and then pairing up two by two um, based on skill level. And so everyone will have their first match, and we'll have half the group having 1-0 and and half the group having 0-1. Um, so they'll, you'll have a week and a half to schedule that. And then essentially from there, it's going to be one week per match to schedule these out. So, you know, if you're the kind of person that has a few hours per week for rando, hopefully, you know, you can reach out to your partner and they are available around the same time. And that's the one thing that we're going to need you to do this week to participate in this tournament. So with that being said, I want to turn over to Herf. Uh, Herf actually brought us a, what I think is a really great idea as a way to uh, handle these group rounds. It's something that I don't think we've seen in another rando tournament, to my knowledge. So Herf, tell us a little bit about this um, uh, sort of group bracket idea that we're going to be implementing. 
All right, so I've brought this uh, forward from being a big fan of uh, StarCraft for a very long time, and I've watched a lot of GSL, and I think they have a very interesting group format, which is um, akin to kind of a small double elimination bracket in each group. So essentially what's going to happen is we're going to have groups of four people with uh, two head-to-head -head matches to start off the group, as Tim was mentioning. So we're going to have uh, two 1v1 matches to start off each group, and it'll leave two people 1-0 and two people 0-1. After that, we'll have both of the 1-0 people play each other, and both of the losers, the 0-1 people, play each other. And uh, the winner of the winner's match will be 2-0. They'll move on from the group. And the loser of the winner's match will face the winner of the loser's match. So the person who is uh, one and one will face the other person who is two, uh, one and one, essentially. And uh, that'll be our final match in that group, which uh, will determine the winner of that moves on as well. And the result will be two and one. And the loser of that will be one and two will also be eliminated. So essentially, after each group round, we will have the entrance to the tournament and fire up another group round with, uh, you know, four people in a group, and so on and so forth. I'm not sure how many group rounds we decided on. I think it was one or two, maybe? Yeah, I think I think just the one, because that'll whittle us down from 24 to 12, and then I was thinking a bracket of mm -hmm. 12. Yeah, the only thing to note here is a bracket of 12 doesn't divide evenly. Yeah. Right. What followed next was 11 minutes and 38 seconds of the three of us trying to figure out a way to fairly construct a bracket of 12 out of our group rounds. It was difficult, it was time consuming, and worst of all, it was incredibly boring to listen to. And even what we settled on in this episode sucked. And then, to top it all off, just after we finished recording, one more person joined. So then we were left with 25 racers. Yeah, not a great bracket number. So we decided instead to go the other way with it. After reaching out to a few pals on other small ALTTPR discords, we made it up to 27, which left us in a strange predicament. Recruit one more for seven groups and somehow deal with a bracket of 15, and probably with some buys or something, or go the whole distance and recruit another five for that perfect brackety delicious 32. So what we decided to do was reach out to a friend of the show and father of randomizer, Vtorp, you might have heard of him, and explain the plight to him. Uh, he passed along the message to the rest of the ALTTPR Discord admin crew and soon uh, a fellow named Sinak, who's an accomplished main tournament admin, reached out to us and offered to put a message in the announcements channel of the main ALTTPR Discord and ping all those with the tournaments tag. Now, I don't know exactly how many people that is, but within about probably an hour, I'd say, we had our extra five, so we were up to 32, and then we even had a few backups on top of that as well as about a dozen more mentors and even a couple volunteers. Uh, so not only does this work way better for virtually every person involved in this tournament, but it also makes the 11 and a half minutes of podcast I just cut completely irrelevant. Trust me, I did you a solid. All right, Tuesday Timp Out. I'll see you one more time before we wrap up the episode. Cheers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the yeah. only other thing I thought was we are going to have, and we haven't really talked about the group construction, but... Given that I did the group construction, I want to talk about it a little bit. So the groups are constructed, and I think we may have said this last episode, you are 
the groups are not going to be, this is not going to be like the World Cup where you've got like Germany and Spain against like, you know, uh, Liechtenstein and uh, Laos. Just to you know, <laughs> name two countries that are good at soccer and two yeah. that probably aren't. Usually metaphors help you understand something a little better. And I'm just like even more confused. And a lot of times in tournaments and groups, you will try to set it up so you've got one to two strong people and one to two weak people. This is not going to work like that. We'll have basically groups that are either strong or weak. So, for example, um, I went through and scored everybody's submission based on the rubric that we kind of kicked about about a month ago. Our lowest participant has a score of seven. There's actually two that have a score of seven. The highest has 28. And all I did is I just said, put everybody together based on score. So we've got one group that ranges from seven to 11 in terms of score, one that goes from 14 to 15, or sorry, 16, one that goes from 16 to 17, one that goes from 18 to 21, one that goes from 21 to 22, and our final group goes from 23 to 28. With the exception of that last group that has a five-point spread, most of these we're talking three to four-point spreads. Um, so everybody should be fairly, like, those those first matches are intended to be, you know, equal skill matches. Um, so uh, this is all leading up to maybe the way that we figure out who to give the buys to is based on the group strength. Although that, to me, for a teaching tournament feels a little unfair because then that means that the people who gave a good pre-self-assessment to themselves get a, an advantage that they otherwise, you know, the, the weaker players who may actually be better, they just didn't assess themselves as highly, uh, aren't getting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so so the the main goal is for people of similar skills to be playing each other, at least in the group rounds. And one thing I have been thinking about, and it's another, you know, I guess I was thinking we'd cross it when we get to it, but we should probably just make sure it's said out loud now. How are we going to be seeding the brackets, the finals brackets? Well, that I figured we actually would kind of try to traditionally seed. Like a, Like the strongest will play the weakest? Yeah, sort of thing. just so, because yeah. otherwise you're going to have the strong, if you do strong against strong and weak against weak, what you'll end up with at the end is a strong versus weak matchup in your finals, and that's a little unsatisfying, I think. Sure. No, I, I agree with that, and I think I had said something contradictory to that, but I it, let's correct the record, because I agree. Uh, the, the finals bracket will be seated in more of a traditional kind of sweet 16 sort of format where... Uh, you know, you've got number 16 playing number one and uh, kind of moves on like that. Number nine plays number eight uh, so that the finals are a, a little more balanced. We hopefully have the two the two strongest runners um, participating there. So uh, that, that's that been established. Um, Axe, did you have any final uh, thoughts on kind of the, what you were just talking about there? With the groups, um, so one thing that did stick out, uh, and I'm just going to say this right now, is one of our participants, and I will not name them, uh, but they said they can hover. And I really want to see if that ends up getting used in any of the races. <laughs> okay, yeah, you actually made some sort of uh, a talks, essentially, which is like, if it happens, you've promised to do a certain thing. Nope. If, uh, here, so what I've promised is, and this is for all of our listeners to hear, 
if a mentor is able to somehow teach one of their runners to hover during a seed and the runner does it and they actually like needed to do it uh i will sing a song that i and Timp and herf will write in the next podcast episode in a, in a podcast episode yeah well we'll make sure it's uh, sufficiently embarrassing and and terrible for to be to be a nice <laughs> yeah. to be a I nice mean, actual I made risky this, punishment i made this bet know. pretty safe feeling pretty safe because i don't know a hovering is useless in general and b a runner learning how to do it kind of with their mentor you know, during a race it's just never going to happen yeah but it, it is out there. So um, if you are a mentor and you're feeling good about the skill level of your uh, runner and they say that they've messed with it before, maybe maybe you can make that maybe, happen. Yeah, maybe you guys practice to make me sing an embarrassing song. There you so, go. you know, that, that prize is out there. So Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, I'm just kind of scanning through here. Like I said, we defined cheating. Just go read that. Uh, one thing that we've been discussing quite a bit in the Discord is this idea of sort of this new way that someone could theoretically cheat because of the tournament format we're, we're discussing. Um, I, I'm going to cut off any more discussion of this at the pass and just say that the asymmetric knowledge exploitation slash insider coaching rule is gone just don't even worry about it it was too complicated it was too like out there so what what i was worried about initially was all of these mentors are going to have information about all of the racers the idea the reason we're doing that is so that they can help them help guide them more easily kind of speak in their language and only recommend things that they're comfortable with or you know stuff like that what i was worried about is if a mentor has that sort of intimate runner knowledge about one of the other racers and then uses it to their advantage to guide their racer you know one of the examples we used was like oh i know that this other racer can't do the ice palace bomb jump so i'm gonna have you go to ice palace early and and do the bomb jump because i know that's going to be a big advantage for you um but the more we thought about it the more it's been kind of batted around in the the discord one of the things that that theoretical uh does not take into account is the fact that the other racer also has a mentor that is probably going to be teaching them how to do the ice palace bomb jump you know that if they're a good mentor they're going to be trying to make them you know get better and do those sort of things and and you know beat the seat as quickly as possible so and i also don't think any of our mentors are going to be um maliciously using information like that you know so i ultimately after just talking about it a whole bunch and worrying about how to word it I think I'm just going to get rid of it, but let it be known. I have thrown it out there. If you're in your post-game interview and you say something like, oh, yeah, well, I knew that so-and-so couldn't do this, so I told my racer to do this, that's not a good look. And and it kind of goes against the spirit, I think, of what we're trying to do, which is really just coach, coach your particular racer to do the best that they can. So any, any thoughts on that before we move on? No, I'm in agreement to it. The other uh, rule that we have that is, I think, a little unique to to this that's kind of like a cheating rule is uh listening in now normally this is not an issue because people you know play silently but um you know if you somehow you know listen like like, it's kind of like stream sniping but the audio version yeah but basically if you're intercepting communications between the mentor and the runner a that's a real dick move and b we're gonna you know not look very kindly upon that so you'll be ejected right um 
Okay, now one other thing I did want to mention because it, it replies to everyone here, not just participants of the Go Mode Podcast Mentor Tournament, but to the, you know, dozens, uh, hundreds actually, of people out there who are listening who are not participating in the tournament. Uh, this should be a pretty good watch, and we are going to try to make it possible for you to watch as many of these as possible. Now, if you are used to the fall tournament or any of the major tournaments, you probably are kind of spoiled in that you can just <laughs> go to Twitch and just pump, you know, bust out one of these uh, races that's on and, and just have this super high-quality stream. Um, first thing, that is what is called a, a restream. That is somebody taking all of the... Uh, game data and tracker data and both runners streams and basically putting it on their own stream and then you're watching that so it takes a little bit of behind the scenes work to make something like that happen yeah as someone who has the restream role for the official tournament but never actually did it it's a lot of setup work and i i have restreamed a race before in a different tournament uh, a lot can go wrong and it's uh it's a lot of work and to be frank, given the smaller nature of our tournament and the lack of kind of, you know, anybody who, you know, dedica a dedicated channel to put this stuff on, uh, people who have extensive restream experience and can kind of swoop in at the last minute to help, um, it's uh, not very feasible. Yeah, but, you know, that being said, there are people out there who have done it for past tournaments who have the rig. They are a little more technically savvy than, than I am and, and maybe Axis, so they, uh, <laughs> they've they done it before. They, they have it set up. Um, so we'll, we'll be happy to have any of those volunteers come in, and, and uh, if we can get the staff and the equipment together for a restream, we will be letting people know about that. Um, you know, I, I, we'll have a schedule, essentially. If you go to the Go, Ma Go Mode podcast to, uh, mentor tournament rules page that I've mentioned before will have a link to a schedule uh, that we'll be updating as new matches are scheduled and if any of those are restreamed uh, we'll we'll put them up there so absolutely uh, check that often um, if you're looking to watch a little bit of rando um, that is going to be some of your fellow community members running uh, being helped by uh, other community members as mentors so yep. uh, that that's the restream I just wanted to mention that Yep, I, and I will say that uh, if we do get restreams going, obviously, uh, I know at least whatever channel we put it on, if it's not on my Twitch channel, I will be kind of hosting whatever the restream channel is. Um, I don't want to speak for my two co-hosts, but uh, I plan to do that just to uh, help boost the viewership. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should we should do that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that, that's a really good idea, actually. If you want to just try to scope out you know, any of our twitches um we'll, we'll try to restream some mm -hmm. of these too so that you'll know where they yeah. are like if you're playing in the evening eastern time i almost certainly should be able to um at least for one of the runners put up what they're doing um yeah. the other thing tim i don't know if you covered yet but do we want to talk about the since we won't have restreams sort of the default way people will be able to watch please um <clears throat> so this is a, a little lower tech it's not as cool and fancy as a restream, but it still works, and it works pretty well, and I've watched a lot of Rando play this way, but um, there's a thing called a multi-twitch. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, basically you put in two Twitch usernames, and it pops up both streams right alongside of you. Um, we're going to have a live races text chat channel that you can uh, you know, kind of use like uh, uh, Twitch chat, you know, type all the memes you want and say, you know, oh, they, 
they're they're doing it. It's a pen. It's a pedestal seed. Do all your your pet seed speculation, uh, and then we're also gonna have people with a commentary role and have a commentary channel. Uh, if you've got the commentary role, you can hop in and uh, you know talk about the seed as it's played. And uh, if you're not a commentator, you can still join the channel. You just won't be able to talk. You will be listen only. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've, I've seen that done in other tournaments before. While it, it sounds a little um, like less polished or whatever, yeah, it, it actually polished. worked. It, that is basically what a restream is. Just a restream packages all of that together into one thing. Yeah, you will, you will be surprised that, like, you know, you're chatting you're watching two streams at once and you're listening to commentary like that's pretty much the same as a restream the only thing that's not there is a tracker which you if you really want to you can play along at home and track them yourself you know uh and also commentators will probably be talking about that too so i I can't stress this enough that's how that's probably how most of the races will be watchable is through our discord and those multi-twitch links um, and I, I strongly encourage everyone to check that out. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that probably a lot of our tournament participants, when they're not racing, can be watching these. Number one, you get a little bit of intel about your opponent as a racer. Uh, could be helpful to you. Number two, um, you know, I think that's probably what you'll want. You know, when you're racing, it's good to have people watching and commenting in real time and, you know, commentating and, you know, uh, talking on, on the uh, the the discord chat it's fun to go back and read those after you're done with your race so um support your fellow tournament members uh and and uh be sure to check out any of these as you can um on our discord we'll have a special channel set up for kind of live race chat uh and then you know if you happen to notice people talking commentary and one of those chats is on jump on in and 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 join us watch the race yeah. Uh, yeah. One other thing we talked about, and uh, this is something that we thought was interesting but may not be able to do, is if we do get uh, kind of further into the tournament, uh, the idea was bandied about of maybe there's a way for people to listen, you know, kind of broadcast or listen into the uh, runner and uh, mentor, con- you know, crosstalk. Oh, yeah. um, for, you know, a couple things on that that I'm thinking. One, uh, I think we would need both of our both our runner and mentor to be okay with that. I know some people are shy or, or, or nervous or anxious and really don't want other people to be listening to them while they play because it makes them, you know, it, it gets it's, in it's vulnerable. It's yeah. a vulnerable sort of state to be in. Like, okay, what do I do next? What you know, I don't yeah, know how to you do don't this. Wanna, you got to tell me. You know, it, yeah. you don't necessarily want to. Like, maybe you don't mind, anxiety. but yeah, maybe you don't mind, but maybe some people might not want that out there. So. Yeah. So first off, if if we do do that, that'll have to be with the okay of both people. And second, uh, it's a little bit of a technical challenge to get that audio working in a way that is not exploitable. Um, So, you know, again, it's an idea that we think is pretty neat. We need to do more research on our end on a way to do it where um, there won't be any kind of like, oh, suddenly everybody can hear what one runner and mentor are saying, including the uh, the people who are racing against them or you know hey they're talking over the commentators and uh it's now impossible to make out what's going on right yeah that would just be a nightmare to try um, to listen to so yeah so we uh you know we, we don't, i i think i can say pretty safely we don't have any plans to do any kind of runner uh you know mentor uh, audio broadcast during the group rounds but maybe in the bracket rounds that is something we will see more of Oh, yeah. So I will say our finals, our final match is going to be a best of three. 
and I'm I'm trying to do everything in my power to make sure that that one is restreamed. I want to have that maybe possibly even go up on YouTube after yeah. it's done. W- worst case, um, I will try to hack something together and put it up on my channel, assuming yeah. that it is at a time and place that I'm able to actually be at my computer and set everything up. Oh, and I'm glad you said that because it, it, it's reminded me of something I definitely wanted to mention. If you are a participant, uh, and maybe even mentors should do this too, of this tournament, be sure to go into your Twitch and set it up so that all of your VODs are recorded. Uh, yes, at least, please, at least for the that. next two weeks. It's not set up like that by default. You actually have to go in. I don't remember exactly where, but Google it. Uh, figure out how to set up automatic saving of any of your streams it'll just save an exact you know broadcast of what you streamed if you do that then we can theoretically go in download you download your opponent and then sync them up and release a video of both of you racing at the same time um which you know especially if we're thinking about doing um or if we don't do a restream but there was a particularly close you know multi-twitch chat we might want to bump that onto youtube and that won't be possible unless we have a vod of your run so um Please do us a favor and do that if you don't mind, because um, it would it would be cool to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we we can. I, I know there's a, a link somewhere about how to do that. It's it's very easy. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to kind of wrap this up. I think we've been pretty thorough about some of the details. Uh, the yeah. last thing, the last thing, <laughs> Herf agrees. Uh, <laughs> I was I was going to ask you if you had anything else, Herf, and. Uh, um, and then uh, I think we covered pretty much yeah, everything. Yeah, I thought you might say oh, that. So. Too far <laughs> and thing... into the future, if you ask me. Yeah. yeah. Well, one okay. thing we do want to say is if you're listening and you would like to help restream or commentate or track uh, or you know help out in any way, uh, shoot us a message in the Discord and we will hook you up and get you the rules you need. Absolutely. All right. So the last thing I want to say is, uh, what are what are we all fighting for? What why why are we you know tilting like this and trying to uh, you know see who the best one is? What do, what do you get if you win? So the winning racer will receive uh, an invitation. It's up to you if you want to take it, but uh, we would love to have you on the show. Talk to you a little bit about the experience, and uh, you know if you want to say a few words here on the show, then then that will. Be something you'll be able to do. So the winner will come on Go Mode Podcast and, and have a, uh, a quick interview conversation with us. We're also going to be keeping keeping track of the mentors uh, that will be essentially keeping a tally. You know, if your racer wins, we'll give you, you know, a, a, a win. If for the mentor who has the most wins at the end of the tournament, we will also invite them on and talk to them a little bit about their experience and what it was like, you know, coaching newer runners and you know what they gained from that experience. So. That is what we're all playing for, and it's it's a humble prize, but uh, hopefully, you know, the the pride of winning should be a big part of it for a friendly tournament like yeah. this. You, yeah. You'll get to see our our super ultra hidden behind the scenes channels. That's <laughs> right. You have, to, you have to get invited to those to uh, set up yeah. stuff to be, a, and you can, you know, you can feel like you're really seeing how the magic gets made. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Okay. So that is. Uh, Again, I can't stress this enough. You got to go to gomodepodcast.com, the page we have set up for this mentor tournament. We'll be updating that with a lot of the things that we just talked about and and other things as they come up. So that is sort of going to be the tournament Bible. Be sure to check that if you have any questions about any of this. But I'd say we've been pretty dang thorough here on this episode. So let's move on and get this wrapped up. All right, we have two fetch questions this time. Uh, very excited about these. 
Um, the first one is from Bum Rush Blitz, uh, and it's pretty short, so I'll just read the whole thing. Hey guys, recently started listening to the podcast and liked it so much that I listened to all of the older episodes as well and figured I'd give you another question for your next episode. So within the past month, I've been playing a lot of randomizer and I'm enjoying it. Currently, my best time is 149 and I'm gradually learning new small tricks and see myself getting better. However, maybe four out of five times I get a seed that's extremely trolly and requires me to double dip four of the dungeons, don't find a sword until 40 minutes in, etc. Most of the time, I end up just quitting because I'm not enjoying it, especially if it gets even worse. My question is, do you guys feel you should still go through those bad runs when practicing to be prepared for the possibility of that happening in a real race and simply get better at harder seeds? Or do you think it's fine to sometimes stop a run, call it quits, and go on to a new run to avoid tilt? Thanks for the input, and I hope to hear this on the show. And again, that was from Bum Rush Blitz. What do you guys think? Yes. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Yes what? Yes what? Uh, Okay, so my honest answer is uh, I don't think you should automatically and always force yourself through every seed that you ever start because that's going to make you hate the game eventually. But uh, first, like most of the time, a majority of your time, you should just stick with the seed because if you just play the seeds that feel easy to you, then you're never going to learn anything. Yeah, you uh, won't get better. Yeah, and just... You know, not to not to call you out or anything, but you say you've had a lot of trolley seats, which is already a red flag for me because people call stuff trolley when it really isn't. But yeah, you know. I uh, I had the same thought, Herf. Like a lot of times, when a seed seems quote trolley, it is not that the seed has a, a like if you saw the full thing, you would see the pro the the right the right way to route it. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and now it could entirely be that yeah you've got some kind of crazy like oh you need you know boots are on pedestal which is locked behind turtle rock and the ice rod is like off in some bizarre location but usually when seeds seem trolly it's because the runner is and again i don't i don't mean to like call you out and crap on you um, because we appreciate you doing this, and this is a good learning opportunity for everybody. But I think um, this is a great question. But yeah, like when yeah. a seed seems trolly, it's usually because you have made routing mistakes somewhere, and that's why it's seeming like, oh man, I'm like triple dipping pod. When exactly. really, it's like, well, but that wasn't a forced triple dip. That just ended up being the way you played it. Yeah. Huh. That's really interesting. I, I hadn't thought about it that way, but I do see where you guys come from, and I do think you're right. I I wrestle with this all the time, so I was genuinely curious to see what you guys would say. Uh, I sort of I don't I wouldn't say I disagree with you guys, but I'm also maybe a little more lenient towards like this is a game. Like if you're not having fun, don't play the game. You know, like no one is forcing you to do anything. Right. So. So, I, you know, but I also understand that, it, again, this is something I wrestle with all the time because it's like, okay, this is for is purely for enjoyment and I enjoy playing it, but I also enjoy getting a faster time. So if, you know, it's, it's almost like you have to do something that you don't necessarily want to do, which is practice and slog through those seeds that, you know, you, you have to pay the price because you didn't route something correctly if you ever want to get those lower times, which is ultimately... A little more satisfying than just playing the game 
the yeah, the fun I, of just playing the game you know one thing i'll say and and this is kind of like a sports psychology thing is you might be able to, you might look at your timer and go like oh man i'm just starting the ganon climb now and it's already at 155 like i suck like this is this is awful what you should try to do instead is reframe it and be like okay like you know what i'm not gonna get a pb on this seed um what i am gonna do though maybe i have a lot of problems with the ganon fight i'm gonna try my hardest to not fall or not die on ganon or you know, I can never seem to line up the, like, Aga 2 shots correctly. I want to get at least one or, you know, one double hit. You, you just kind of, you want, if you feel like your run is, like, you know, botched because you're going to have a bad time, try to refocus what your purpose of the run is. Like, if you're, you know, going through and you're like, oh, man, I, I completely should not have gone and dipped Swamp Pendant. Like, what a, what a ways to be like, okay, I still have... TR, you know, TR and a um, Skull Woods to do, I'm going to go through and I'm going to do those deathless. Or, you know, just come up with like a new goal to shoot for when that happens so that you don't get as tilted. Yeah, that's that's, that's good advice. You know, kind of, it's, it's a little bit of both, you know, trying to play through a little bit more, but also... Um, you know, not overdoing it. Essentially, yeah, I mean, I've quit seeds, so, you know, it's not... Yeah, right. as I was saying, don't force yourself to play every seed. It's fine to quit a seed every now and again if you're tilted or if you don't have fun. As you say, it's for fun. But essentially, all of this could be summed up as if you want to get better, you got to put in the practice. And practice isn't yeah. always fun. Yeah, yep. yeah it's, that's... You're, you're exactly right. You need 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. So, yeah. uh... That's what our homeboy uh, Malcolm says, right? <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's the that's the scientific research 10,000 yeah. hours is what it takes to become an expert I guess so why 10,000 though anyway okay it's a nice okay. round number <laughs> yeah I know right that's that's the real reason uh, okay and then we have one more question this one's a little bit longer I'll, I'll summarize a little bit uh, but it is from uh, the missing link he also has his full name here but I'm not going to do him like that uh, he, he has the missing link here as, as sort of a, a handle for him. Um, and he says, Hey, Timp, Axial, and HD. First off, Godoy from Australia. An Australian <laughs> listener, yay! Another one, yeah. And I'm not <laughs> going to do the rest of this in Australian accent because it will be probably offensive and it will sound terrible. Um, I wanted to say how much I love Go Mode Podcast. Ever since discovering it a few weeks ago, I've been binging, listening to all the episodes while I commute to and fro, work on the train, and I finally just caught up to your recent episode. You guys are fantastic to listen to, and I really appreciate the way you make ALTTPR and its community so approachable. I've studied the game for months upon months, and I've only played one seed so far, but you guys have made me want to dig deeper into the game and community. I've even signed up for the Go Mode Podcast tourney, even though I feel I'm going to get creamed. But hey, gotta start somewhere. I wanted to give you guys two things. First, a new way of thinking about a dungeon. And second, a puzzler. Hope you enjoy them. Cheers, The Missing Link. Uh, oh, and thanks, Missing Link. Yeah, that was well, really nice. All, yeah, that's a really nice email. Thank you so much. Um, I think I've seen you a little bit on Twitter, too. And uh, yeah, it's just really awesome to see someone discover the show. And very gratifying for us, you know, to have put in all the hours we put in on it. And people, people are into it. So we love, we love to read that. And thank you. Um, now he goes on to include kind of another way to think about Palace of Darkness. I don't want to get too into this because, you know, I, I want to honor her request to keeping this one shorter, uh, and mine too, frankly. Uh, but I do want to read it real quick. And, uh, 
we can maybe say a couple things and then we'll go on to our puzzler and wrap this up. So uh, he's talking about Palace of Darkness here and he says, Tim mentioned in the pod episode that the key logic was much more confusing than, say, Swamp Palace, a much more annoying but overall simpler dungeon. There are 14 chests in pod, but only 10 of them can have small keys. Everything except Dark Maze Top, Dark Maze Bottom, the Big Chest, and Helmosaur King. The remaining chests can be grouped into clusters ordered from the front to the back of the dungeon. Cluster 1 is Shooter Room, Map Chest, Arena Ledge, everything before the locked door through the center door. Cluster 2 is Arena Bridge, Staphos Basement, everything just past the center door. Cluster 3 is the Big Key Chest, which is behind the locked door in Staphos Basement. Cluster 4 is Compass Chest, Darkroom Basement, uh, both of those, uh, most all of the back chests. And then Cluster 5 is the Harmless Hellway, uh, which is behind a locked door near the Compass Room. So here's what he says. Cluster 1 must hold at least one of the keys. Cluster 1 through 2 must hold at least three. Clusters 1 through 3 must hold at least four. Clusters 1 through 4 must hold at least five. And then obviously Clusters 1 through 5 have all six keys. The keys can always be placed earlier, but never later. So this is another way uh, that he is sort of organizing the way that he thinks about the keys and the key logic and where the keys are going to come up. And hopefully that made sense to someone out there. I have to admit, uh, I, maybe, I maybe it. it's just because I'm reading it out loud. I, I couldn't process it while I was saying no, it. I, uh, that I makes sense that. to you? Awesome. That is, okay. That is a really, wow, missing link. That is a really innovative way to think about that. Shout out. That is, I'm sitting here, I'm like nodding and smiling because that's a really great way to think about it. When you think, okay, it had, you know, for example, you said, I think there have to be two keys in either in clusters one to three so if you've gotten your two keys you know you know that or, or rather if you've gotten what three items you know that the rest all have to be keys i think that's five there's five chests in clusters one and two but like yes. that's a really good way to keep the item track in your head to be like oh do i need to open this chest yes or no and if for example you already have gotten enough keys you know oh i don't need to go there because that's going to be a key because it's in cluster two yeah, I, I had heard about essentially clusters one and two having uh, three, it has to have at least three keys. So I, I guess I had thought about that, but I hadn't thought about it emanating, you know, beyond that throughout the dungeon. So um, that is cool. I, I, I guess I sort of get it. I need to read it probably a couple more times on my own. But. I think it's mainly confusing because you're mentioning or the, the way to think about it is to think about how many keys there are, but what you're essentially keeping track of is how many items or how many things that are not keys you've picked up. Uh-huh. So that kind of what makes it hard to follow. But Yeah, I, it's like, yeah, I kind of in my mind, as, as you were talking through it, we're like, okay, it's actually kind of reversed. It's it's what, you know, if, you have, if you've gotten this many items in that cluster, you know uh-huh. the rest have to be keys. Yeah, the exactly. absence of keys is really what you're counting. And I, kind of, yeah, yeah, and by items, I mean, I count the the compass and the map Mm -hmm. it's sort of like what we were talking about with eastern when we did that like look to the past or i'm sorry with escape i mean uh where it's like you can either count the items or you can count or say like have i got the map and the key yet it's like flipping around what you're counting basically to make it a little easier Mm -hmm. to keep track of yeah okay cool well that's awesome and hopefully that helps some folks um and then you guys want to go over this puzzle i've read it but i haven't read the answer and i I think it seems i'm good to puzzle Seems pretty reasonable. All right. It's time. I'm not going to do this in, the, in a voice or anything. It's time for the Ganon's Tower big key guessing game. I wanted to shout that, but I didn't. Uh, okay. 
You're in the chat and you want to issue a guess as to which chest is going to hold the big key. You know that the runner in front always goes full left side, hope room, chest, Bob's torch, uh, the dark magician room, map chest, fire snake room, blah, blah, blah. You know those. Uh, based upon this information, what are the most likely chest numbers that would allow you to win the big key guessing game? Uh, here's another way of thinking about it. Which chests are most likely to have the big key? Which are the worst chest numbers to pick? Uh, and then he gives us a hint. All of the chests within the same room always have the same theoretical probability of holding the big key. Uh, what dungeon are we in? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... It's about the Ganon's Tower big key. It's, in, it's Okay, it's in Ganon's Tower. Mm-hmm. And the runner in question always goes left side first, from what always I understood. Always goes left side. Yes. And uh, they want to know which chests would be, like, statistically the most likely for you to pick to have the big key so you could win the guessing game in the chat. Oh, God. yeah. I'd say, so basically, they, they said that thing about left side just to make it standardized. So, like, all of the chests, you'll be, you know, you know what the order is going to be always. Mm -hmm. um, so, it's really just, like, of I mean, those this 22. Like, this gets into, like, conditional probability where... yeah. Like, all right, if you pick chest number two, you're really saying, I want two, given that one doesn't have it, and every chest has an equal probability of having... Well, no, actually, it doesn't, because there's some that have keys. Oh, crap. Um, okay, so I just looked it up, <laughs> just to see <laughs> um, if this was going to be feasible. It's basically, yeah, he just kind of has given us percentages of how likely it is to be in each of the rooms. Yeah. So, I, so, I mean, do so you guys want to say, take a guess now that I'm looking at the answer? Okay, so to get into left side at all, well, you, you don't, don't need really, anything. You need you need a hammer and a hookshot, but right. I assume that's what but you But I'm have assuming you have that because you're going that way. Yeah. The first room, you don't need a key to get out of. The second room has four chests. Yeah, that's the skeleton room. Has mm -hmm. four chests, no key required. The double fire bar room has one chest, no key required. The uh, the next room, one chest, no key required. Okay, so I think at this point, it's got to be one of those. I'm going to go with the skeleton room just because it's four chests. You don't need any keys to get there. Um so I'm going to go with the skeleton room. I'm going to go with the fire bar room just because that's what my guess usually you is. You just love the fire bar room. room. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I take. That's... Okay. Well, the uh, so the one that has the highest chance uh, per chest, it's 6.65% chance to have the big key, are all four of the chests in the randomizer room. That was my other guess. Damn it. For a total likelihood of the big key being there of 26.62%. That was my other thought. And my thought there was because you want a lot of chests and you don't want there to be any keys mm -hmm. that are blocking you from going there. But I just didn't think through and was like, oh, yeah, by the time you get to randomize a room, you need keys. But you don't. I don't think. Yeah. Now, the, uh, surprisingly, the Dark Magician room, the, the, skele the skeleton room, uh, Stalfo's mm -hmm. room, uh, each of those chests is 3.47%, uh, and there's four of them. 
which is a total of 13.87%. So I would have thought that would have been higher too. No, I get exactly why it's that low. It's because once you get deeper, it's a conditional probability thing. Like each each time you open a chest, it either has the key or doesn't. And if it doesn't have the key, that means now instead of you looking at 22 chests, you're looking at 21 or 20 or 19 or 18. Mm-hmm. So yeah. every you know, until you get down to like one chest where it's a hundred percent. So every chest you're able to remove increases the probability that the next chest has it. I gotcha. So and then, then and then it's just okay, what room has a lot of chests? Oh well the randomizer room. Yeah. I just was thinking that there were keys involved that you needed to grab, but no, that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, and then the second place one was the compass room. Uh, each of those three chests in there has a 5.68% chance, uh, which gives you 22.7% overall. Or no, I'm sorry, comp- that, I'm sorry, compass room. Not, I was, that's four chests in the compass room. That's the one that's like near the end of right side. Um, as I was saying that, I was thinking of ice armors, but yeah. yeah so I mean, that makes, that yeah. makes sense too. Cause that, that right. whole, that's the whole reason you go right side is cause each, you have four chests in there with, um, yeah. Yeah. You've already gotten past a whole bunch of chests. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. Okay. So, uh, yeah, again, huge thank you to The Missing Link for that email. Um, thanks for the note. Thanks for the uh, way to think about pod. And thanks for the puzzler. All three were awesome. So Yeah, thank you. Yeah. If you have an email you'd like to send to us, you can do so by sending that to email at gomodepodcast.com, um, as our uh, two listeners have done this week. Um, you can also join that Discord. Uh, again, strongly recommend doing that if you want to check out any of these tournament races um, because we can use the multi-Twitch in there and chat and commentary. So we'll look forward to seeing you in there for some races um, starting this week. Uh, going next Saturday, we'll, we'll have quite a few scheduled for that first round. There'll be at least 12, 12 races. So, Okay, guys, I just wanted to cut in one more time at the end of the episode to officially kick off the Go Mode Podcast Mentor Tournament. Exciting stuff. We finally got people scheduling their first matches as of right now. Uh, they were able to start scheduling those literally from when this episode released all the way up until Saturday the 15th, as I mentioned. Our first one is actually scheduled for tonight. If you're listening to this the day it comes out on Wednesday, June 5th, we have a, our first match between two of our racers. Uh, the Daddy Gamers is one of them, and then the other one is Bum Rush Blitz. They are in, I think, the like third highest ranked group, so should be a pretty good one. Uh, they are going to be coached along by members of the community, Espion and Sir Linkalot777, respectively. Um, and you can watch this match. In fact, I would highly encourage it. Uh, we have a link to our schedule in the description of this episode, as we mentioned a couple times. We're going to keep that up to date throughout this entire tournament, so you can always keep that linked and go check out when the newest matches are. The one that's happening today is going to be at 8.30 Eastern, and what you're going to do is click on that uh, multi-twitch and join our Discord, and we'll have our voice commentary. Actually, Axe and I are going to be doing commentary for this one, so we're very excited to kick off the tournament in that way. Uh, But you do need to join our Discord in order to hear our voices, and then we'll also have a chat set up um, where you can follow along, just like we described in the episode. But the first one is happening tonight at 8.30. Please join us for that. We're super excited to kick off the tournament with this great match, and uh, we will, of course, be keeping you updated on the rest of the tournament as it unfolds. All right. See you guys. Check it out. Um, You can also find us on Twitter at GoMode.com. 
podcast. Um, I went the other day and followed. I, I, occasionally, I'll just search like ALTTPR and see who comes up and found some new folks that way and, and you know, told them about the tournament. So uh, shout outs to, to, the, to those people who joined and followed us on Twitter. Um, let's see. Uh, Axial, how can people watch you play Randomizer? That's going to be uh, SA underscore Axial on Twitch. And then you can also find me on the Discord. Okay. And Herfy Derfy. Yeah, the same for me. You can also find me on the GOMO Podcast Discord, of course, and it's going to be twitch.tv slash herfydurfy for my Twitch channel. Okay, and I am twitch.tv slash temp underscore. Uh, Shout-outs to folks who come by and listen to some music with me and watch me play Rando. Uh, it's fun. It's always a fun time, and uh, recommend uh, coming come in and check me out if that's something you're interested in. Also wanted to give a shout-out to uh, P-Train, who is actually one of our mentors in the tournament. Uh, thank you for the five-star rating on iTunes. And thank you to one other anonymous person who didn't, didn't leave their name but also left us five stars. Greatly appreciate that. Uh, if you're listening to the show and enjoying it, you can go on iTunes and also give us a rating there. And we, we read all of those and, and really appreciate the feedback. Um, with that said, I think that's going to end this episode. Um, mirror out.